Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hello there. Welcome to today's program, uh, Parenting Your Challenging Child. I'm glad that you're listening in. Uh, of course, you always have the option to call in. People sometimes do. Uh, 347-994-2981. Um, got a question? Got a comment? Running into trouble with Plan B? Uh, boy, you know, we're not too picky. Anything that's going to make it difficult for you to parent your behaviorally challenging child is fair game on this program. Um, once again, 347-994-2981. Um, let's think. I'm going to start with some emails. There's a bunch that I have not made my way through yet, so here we go. Hello, Dr. Green. I first would like to thank you for all the work you have put into helping children and their families who feel like they're drowning in an ocean of conformity where our children just don't fit in. You're welcome. My eight-year-old daughter is very typical of the children in your book and has been challenging from birth. We recently moved across... That's a long time, by the way, to be challenging from birth, but it... uh, it happens. We recently moved across the country, away from family and friends, which has made her explosions more intense and more frequent. Luckily, we found you and are now working with her. I'm delighted. My question is, when working on the empathy step, we seem to get stuck with my daughter saying it's not fair to all the unsolved problems. She compares her situation with her younger siblings, other friends, or other classes and schools. Sometimes, especially in school, it may not be fair, but there's really not anything that can be changed about it. Example, she has tactile sensitivity issues, and her school has a uniform that makes it hard for her to find clothing that's comfortable. Uh, We'll keep that one bookmarked. Other times, it's not that it's unfair. It's different age expectations. For example, she has homework, and her younger sister, who isn't in school, doesn't have homework. I'm not sure I should continue to explain why the not fair isn't true or is true but can't be changed or just continue on accepting her view going into the invitation. I'm not sure how to drill further to get beyond the it's not fair part. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Hi, that's a great question. Um, Let's take them one step at a time here. I'm sort of doing my uh, my uh, checklist on 
the empathy step where you're hearing the it's not fair. And you want to make sure, and this is for everybody, but and so not just you, and it sounds like you actually are doing this, I'm not sure though, that you're only working on a finite number of unsolved problems because you've already used the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to identify all of the unsolved problems that are uh, setting in motion challenging episodes and then prioritizing, picking a few. So that's gut check number one, and I'm not sure if you're doing that, but I'm not reading anything that suggests that you're not doing that, so I'll keep going. Um, Two issues. Uh, The school uniform is uh, making it hard for her to find clothing that's comfortable. All right. If we say there's nothing we can do about that, then we really can't do plan B. Plan B, you are solving the problem of the school uniform being uncomfortable. Now, you you may be thinking, yeah, but she has to wear the school uniform. Uh, I got that part. That would be the concern of the adults that gets entered into consideration in the define the problem step. She's saying it's not fair in the well, she might be saying it's not fair in the empathy step. If it's the empathy step where she's saying it's not fair, then we probably shouldn't be adding our concern or perspective about the necessity of wearing a uniform. Uh, that wouldn't come until the define the problem step. But I guess the key point is this. Yeah, we do want to find out. No, we... Uh, We do want to find out her thoughts on it's not fair, but what I'm especially interested in finding out is what it is about the uniform that's bugging her. That's the problem we're trying to solve, even though she does have to wear the uniform. If we're not able to solve anything about the uniform being uncomfortable, and I don't know enough about what problems she's having with the uniform to know that, um then we can't solve any problems using plan B. We can't do plan C because she has to wear the uniform, and unfortunately that leaves us at plan, well, A. I've decided that because you have to wear the uniform, then you have to wear the uniform. Plan A usually starts with, I've decided. I've decided you must. The uniform isn't optional. I've decided that you must. What we've just said is that irrespective of what it is about the uniform that's uncomfortable, And I'm not sure we know enough about that yet. We can do nothing about it because she has to wear it. So the truth is we'd rather have you spending a whole lot less time on it's not fair. And I'm not not privy to what's going on in Plan B with you and your daughter, but I guess the question I would have is do we know enough yet about what it is about the uniform that's making her uncomfortable? If I got this feeling that if we spent a lot of time on that, I don't know if we'd be hearing it's not fair, because in the context of Plan B, it would sound like this. Let's let's say, right? I'm I'm pretending. I don't know. These are some things I might hear. The label in the shirt is very uncomfortable on my neck, and the sleeves are very tight on my wrists, and it really bugs me. Let's say that was your daughter's concern or perspective 
on what's uncomfortable about the uniform. Now here's yours. My concern is that, um, well, the, the school kind of makes kids wear the uniform, so I don't know if, and, and we need to, I was about to move on to solutions, but I caught myself, and I um, I don't know if the school makes exceptions about the uniform wearing. Now the invitation. I wonder if there's a way for us to do something about the wrists being too tight and the labels in the neck bothering you and making the shirt very uncomfortable. And I'm just making that part up. I have no idea what's uncomfortable. Those are two of the things I hear about. So that you can still wear the uniform to school like the school expects you to. I don't know. Are we going to hear unfair now? I don't usually hear it's unfair that often if we've done a really good job of hearing the kids' concerns in the first place. That's the part that's, um, that I'm wondering about. Um, in fact, I must say, generally speaking, it's not fair is what I mostly hear when people are doing Plan A. And if we're trying to do Plan A and when we're defining our, if we're trying to do plan B, and if uh, in the context of either the define the problem stuff or the invitation, we are imposing our will, you just have to wear it, that's when you're going to hear it's not fair. You're certainly going to hear it's not fair frequent, much more often if you're doing plan A, but you're also going to hear it's not fair if you're doing plan B and then reverting to plan A in the midst of plan B. Uh, let's keep going to the rest of your email. And we do have a caller. I'll get to you as soon as I'm done with this email. Um, bah, 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 bah. It's, um, she has homework, and her younger sister, who isn't in school, doesn't have homework. Well, I suppose in one respect that isn't fair. So now, now that's a different story, because that actually may be her concern. So here's what, here's what Plan B would sound like, the empathy step. I've noticed that we've been um, having trouble getting started on the science homework lately. What's up? It's not fair. Now, I'm just going to start drilling for information because I have absolutely no idea what she's talking about, to tell you the truth. I could imagine, but the empathy step in drilling for information doesn't, ima doesn't involve imagining. It involves drilling. doesn't involve mind reading. It involves drilling. doesn't involve tremendous adult ingenuity. It involves drilling, probing for information. Um, well, now I'm going to start drilling. Help me understand what's not fair. Well, Susie doesn't have homework. That's true. Susie doesn't have homework. Help me understand what's not fair about that. Now we're drilling for information. So the answer to your question on that form of not fair, that first form of not fair, I could be completely wrong about this, but that first form of not fair feels like, I'll paraphrase, 
it's not fair that you're blowing my concerns off the table after you got them on the table in the empathy step. You're now blowing them off the table and you find the problem or the invitation steps. I, I don't know if that's what's going on, but that's my gut take. On that, it's not fair. On this, it's not fair. Yes, in answer to your question, I would drill further. I'd want to understand her thoughts about what's not fair about the fact that she has homework and her younger sister doesn't. Great questions. Thank you for sending them in. And if I did not answer them uh, in a way that was especially pertinent to your situation because I didn't have all the information that I might have needed, then uh, feel free to call in that number once again, uh, 347-994-2981. Let's go to our caller who is in area code 610. You are on the air. What's, What's on your mind today? Uh, well, what's on my mind is my um, 14-year-old daughter who um, it has been the definition of an explosive child over her sort of time in school. Um, she had made a lot of progress in middle school and moved into high school this year and has had a very difficult transition into high school in part because um, I think we had the wrong emotional support teacher when she moved into high school. Um, she now has a very good emotional support teacher. Um, the, the patterns of behavior that we were seeing were um, not going, not even going to classes. She would just stop going to classes, and she um, she would just sort of disappear. She'd just sort of show up in the library because when she went to her emotional support class, they'd try to get her to go back to class um, in sort of a specified time, and she. She felt so pressured by that that she wouldn't she wouldn't go back to class. Anyway, now we have this new emotional support teacher um, who's much um, more empathetic and will let her stay as long as she needs to in emotional support. So I think we have made some headway in having her go back to class. Although she's you know I mean maybe she goes to seventy percent of her classes at this point. Um, but we're not as confident, and this this would also lead to um, confrontations with the original emotional support teacher, and she'd wind up being suspended and disciplined and all sorts of stuff like that. So that has calmed down over the last two months with the the new emotional support teacher, and I think that's very good. And at home, we've been trying to practice your methods, and I think we have much better communication than we did with her. Um, The most pertinent question right now, I would say, is that she she does no homework at all, and so her grades are horrible, and we haven't been able to sort of make headway with that, and I'm sort of wondering if, about some guidance about whether that should just be something that we continue to leave on a back burner, or, you know, how we would, how we would know how to proceed with that. Got it. First of all, thanks for calling in. Um, here's what I'm hearing. Let's make sure I have it right. Your daughter was doing reasonably well prior to the transition to high school. Yes. So there apparently are factors related, there could be factors related, to the change in school environment, the change in people, the change in the people who are working with her. There may be various aspects of the school environment now that aren't working for her as well as the school environment in 
middle, or junior high school. One of those is the emotional support teacher, but that person has now changed, and we are on the upswing there. Yes? Yes. Yes. Do I have the picture? Yes. Good. So now the question is, she's doing no homework. Should that be on our list of high-priority unsolved problems? And now the answer you were waiting for. I have no idea. <laughs> here's here's what I mean. Um, it depends totally on what our priorities are. There are kids for whom doing homework would make it, and, and first of all, I should say that doing homework is a bit global. I'd want to split that unsolved problem into the various types of homework that she's not doing that we'd like her to be doing. Homework's broad, but I get it. She's doing no homework. But whether homework should be a high priority at this point, at this point in her development and in her high school career, is totally a function of what your other priorities are. And there's kids who I could see homework being a high priority for, and there are kids who I could see having homework be a very low priority for. Um, But what this mostly comes down to is, um, are there other unsolved problems besides homework that you would consider to be much higher priorities right now? She's she's very in uncertain of her um, social status, and although she sees herself, although she has actually she has friends, she has been um, an emotional support kid all her life, and she's been singled out as an emotional support kid all her life, and so there's really a lot of bullying of her, and a lot of kids really play play on her and she she always struggles with that emotional regulation and i think that is really what prevents her from going to class and is preventing her from going and do and and doing homework all right well that now that sounds big yes that sounds bigger than homework and i must say going to class sounds bigger than homework yes and to tell you the truth, those two sound so big. Those are biggies. Those are not minor unsolved problems. Having kids giving her a hard time because of who she is and the difficulties that she has, um, that's not minor. That's major. That, right. That is, if I'm reading the tea leaves... That's having a major impact on her experience at school in general and could be contributing to other unsolved problems. So that that sounds like a very high priority. Going to class, I would rank above, just on the surface of it, not knowing your situation well at all, but on the surface of it, I would rank going to class above doing homework. I, I agree completely. And we have... Good. Go ahead. I, we have been ranking that one much much higher um, I, I guess we as what we as parents struggle with is that she's actually um, a, quite a gifted student, and it's hard as a parent to see a kid who's capable of really, you know, doing some very high quality work to shut down and not 
not do it. Well, and so now my next question is, is she doing no work or is she just not doing homework? <sighs> She's certainly not doing very much work. Okay. Um, I so, think with her emotional support teacher, um, she has a couple of emotional support hours and she'll go into her room and do math with this teacher because she they get along really well. So I think she does the math. So to tell you the truth, the more I hear about your daughter, the less worried I am right now about homework. Uh-huh. Because, um, you know, on the surface of it, First of all, the way other kids are treating her is massive. Yep. And secondly, um, I don't know that she's going to be doing homework, work at home, unless we figure out why she's not doing work in general. It does sound like you have a theory, and I'm not uh, – you, you could be right, but luckily um, theories don't matter so much. She might not be doing any work – because of how the other kids are treating her. But I'm willing to bet that there are other factors contributing to her not doing much work besides how the other kids are treating her. Just a hunch. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think that's a good hunch. And therefore, because I don't think, I'm trying to imagine a scenario in which she'd be doing work at home but nowhere else, versus let's get a handle on why she's not doing much work in specific subject areas, not work in general. Because the reason she may not be getting much work done in science may be completely different than the reason she's not getting much work done in math. Let's get a handle on why she's not doing work in specific subject areas in general. Let's get some work getting done in those subject areas once we understand what's getting in her way and come to realistic and mutually satisfactory solutions, which can only be achieved if we actually know what's getting in her way. And then, once we have her doing work with the support of folks at school who now are understanding what's getting in her way and are working with her to come up with solutions for what's getting in her way, mm-hmm. once we've got her working a little, then mm-hmm. I might start thinking about homework. Okay. But you're you, you saying that she's getting very little work done at all, just took homework off my list of priorities and had work in specific classes moving up my priority list. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't care if she's doing homework right now. I don't think we understand, as you're saying, my reading of the tea leaves is that we don't understand well enough what's getting in her way yet, and therefore we certainly don't want to worry about homework yet. We're we're still trying to figure out all the factors that are keeping her from doing work in general, as you said, She's a gifted student. Let's figure out work in general and in specific areas, and then maybe we can start thinking about homework. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I like it. I think I think that the the school is willing to do the right thing. I think they're just a bit. I think we're we. It's very hard for us to understand what it might be that's other than this sort of social, um, you know, teenage girl social world that she's so caught up in it's hard to, it's hard for us to even begin to guess what the other factors might be here's the good news in the empathy step you don't have to guess you're finding out uh-huh that's the whole 
purpose of the empathy step is to gather information from your daughter so that we understand better what's getting in the way of her doing work in science. Uh-huh. Okay. What's getting in the way of her doing work in math? What I find is that we adults when we don't probe for that information, when we don't seek it and when we don't probe for it, we adults are inclined to much more general global notions about what might be getting in your kids' way. Mhm. We adults, you know, we like to be we're like we like to be efficient. We like to explain almost everything with very global notions about what's getting in a child's way. We, we do this all the time. Um, I'd rather find out. And this is interesting. So I'm not dismissing the peer culture and its impact on your daughter's academic functioning. Here's, what, here's, here's the possibilities. In the empathy step, we're going to find out. Here's what we might find out. We might find out that it has absolutely nothing to do with it. It, it, I've had many experiences in the empathy step where what the adults were telling me they thought was going on had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on. It's not uncommon. It's possible that your daughter will tell us that that's all there is to it, in which case I'd want to keep probing. And by the way, I'm not leading with that theory. I'm not leading with a theory at all. I'm asking because I don't want to lead the witness. Uh-huh. So it's possible that she will tell us that that's, a, that's it. But I'd want to keep probing because um, there might be more. And then third possibility is she tells us, yeah, that's it, but there's other stuff too. And we want to know about that other stuff too. So we could decide of all the factors that are making it difficult for her to get started on and complete work in science, just as the example I'm giving, right. which ones are we going to start working on? Uh-huh. So, and here's what I'm saying. Until all of that is understood... I don't think I'm worried about homework yet. I, I don't even understand yet why she's not doing work at school either. Uh huh. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Do you think that this should be? It should be. I mean, obviously it's us, but should we also be? I guess we should be trying to involve the school in this kind of questioning with her too. And Especially, I think that the person or persons that you want to have doing this are the people who she's most likely to confide in. Mm-hmm. most comfortable talking to. And it sounds like she has sort of an emerging, nice relationship with her emotional support teacher at school. That might be the person to gather the info if they know how. You might, it sounds like you've been trying to do some plan B. You might be the person who gathers that info, and you might want to be involved in that discussion. I think that what you want to give thought to is, what are the conditions under which we think our daughter is most likely to be comfortable thinking about and providing the information we're needing to figure out why this very bright daughter of yours isn't getting much work done at school? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my experience having heard gazillions of adult theories about why a child isn't doing this or that or is doing this or that is a very high percentage of the time we adults are incorrect in our assumptions, and that's the whole point of the empathy step. Uh-huh. That's where we're going to find out. So there's much to be known about your daughter. You've, you've got me intrigued. So as always, you are certainly invited to call back in, but I hope it's now clear why homework would not be high on my list of priorities at the moment. 
Yes, and, and, and I really thank you for that because I think it's kind of a parent thing, right? It's like sort of a, it's almost a, a reflex, right? You want your kids to do parent to do homework. It's sort of a measure of a success for a, a parent, right, that your kids do their homework. So it can well, be a I must kind of say, a... You know, I'm a little... Um, I, uh, you have to work to not get into that mindset, yes? It's I don't easier know. I, than most. I, I've, never felt, I've never felt that homework was much of a sign of what kind of a parent I was. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I don't... I haven't ranked homework way up there on this is proof of me as a parent. My kid is doing homework, right? I've just never never been way up there. I don't, I'm not even sure it's on the list. Do your but, kids do homework? Yeah. Okay, so you don't but, have a kid who doesn't do homework. You have no idea how much disapproval well, you no, get from I, this school. I have one of my kids, I won't say which one, has had difficulty with homework. Okay. <laughs> but my approach to that is not to take it as an indicator of my worth as a parent, but more as an indication that there was information that I needed. That, to me, if you ask me worth as a parent, when something's not going well with one of my two kids, uh, where do I get my worth from? It's on finding out what's getting in their way and working with them to solve the problem. I bypass totally the, well, this is a reflection of my worth as a parent because that's going to make it that much harder. Now my now I've got my emotions up. Now, I've, now my, I'm coming into play here, sort of my ego, my ego as a parent. You know, all parents have egos. Um, but I think worth is, for my definition, this is not me imposing my definition on everybody, but if you're asking me personally, when one or both of my kids are having trouble with homework, my worth is on figuring it out, figuring out why, seeking out help if I can't figure out why, and ultimately working with them to get the problem solved so they're not having trouble with homework anymore. And that's, um, I would call that, and I'm not saying that you are have too much ego into homework, I'm just talking about myself, I would call that ego-free parenting to the degree that that is possible um, an interesting goal. Your kid not doing homework probably isn't a reflection of you. It's a reflection of something getting in the way for your kid. Good, let's figure out what that is. Know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. And um, and I really appreciate this. I, I think it's been really helpful. I really thank you. Good luck. Feel free to call in any time. And you know what? I'd love you to call back and let us know what you found out. All righty. I will. I mean, this, it'll be a great example of we do have a theory it's the peer culture. Yep. What I'm dying to know is, number one, is, is how much weight does that carry in terms of her not getting much work done? And number two, what else did you find out? I'd love to know. Okay. We'll call Do back. Do call back. Thanks for calling today. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye. You bet. That was a, uh, those were some very interesting questions. Um, we... Uh, Ah, we have one of our listeners uh, coaching me, which is always welcome. Um, our listener is saying, uh, remind the mom to make an appointment in a very calm time with her daughter. Yes, timing can be everything when it comes to doing Plan B. And what's interesting is, um, thank you, listener. 
what's interesting is um, a, a lot of people do proactive plan B, but they don't give the kid any advance notice about what it is that they wanted to talk with their kid about, in which case it's a surprise, in which case even though they're doing plan B proactively, they're kind of doing plan B emergently as it relates to topic. So not only do we want to schedule a time to do it, we also want to um, let the kid know sometimes advance notice on what we want to talk about isn't a bad idea either. Now, you'd want to be a little careful with that because some kids um, some kids tell you they're not going to talk to you about it right up front, and then you've got a little bit more um, reassuring to do. Oh, don't worry. You're not in trouble. I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I just want to understand. So that's not that common. Most kids are sort of ecstatic that you're interested, but you do want to make sure that your child knows that you got no agenda here. Well, you do have an agenda. You want to get the problem solved, but your primary agenda early on is to understand. The empathy step is about understanding. It's about us adults putting our assumptions on the back burner and really finding out what's going on. And what we find out in the empathy step is that well, uh, our assumptions may have been spot on, or quite frankly, more often, there was a whole lot more to it than we knew, and our assumptions were relevant or irrelevant, but not the total picture. Uh, let's turn to one more email. We have uh, 11 minutes left in the program. Let's see if how many we can get done here. Um, Dr. Green, my daughter is six and experiences explosive behaviors at home and at school. They start with, I'm thinking that they is the school. The school starts with a plan A solution and continues to boil the more plan A is used. I have started using plan B and C at home and have seen some improvement. However, the schools are not aware of plan B, and I am currently educating them on the system. Good for you. My question is, my daughter can become violent by hitting, kicking, pinching, and spitting. She is unable to control herself once the boiling begins. How do I know when a medication may be needed? Her biological brother, we adopted my daughter, has the same type of behaviors. However, he is more hyper than my daughter. He is currently on three medications. The one that took the edge off and seemed to help him is one given for bipolar disorder. I know she is miserable. I know she does not want to have explosions since she is so remorseful afterwards. Please help. I am at a loss. This has been going on since she was three. I cry nearly every night because I can't help her at school. I can't ease her anxiety and uneasiness. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so very much for writing in. Now let's see if I can help. Um, I don't know if your daughter needs medication. I do know that your daughter's becoming violent, hitting, kicking, pinching, and spitting is, believe it or not, highly predictable. Now, you may not believe that, although if you've been trying to use collaborative problem-solving at home, you may well believe it already, um, especially if you've already used the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to identify your daughter's lagging skills and unsolved problems at home. 
any unsolved problem, as I always say, any unsolved problem you've written in on the ALSEP is by definition predictable. And I'm fond of saying that unsolved problems, and that means challenging episodes, are 99.9% predictable. So the hitting, kicking, pinching, and spitting is occurring at school in response to highly predictable unsolved problems. They may not know that yet. Um, so in addition to introducing them to the model, you may need to introduce them to the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and you may want to have them listen to the January 23rd program, web-based radio program, in the Collaborative Problem Solving at School program on the Lives and a Balance website in the listening library so they can get a 45-minute dose of um, how to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And as fate would have it, that program is called uh, Using the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. Once again, that's January 23, 2012, Listening Library, web-based radio program for educators. The program is called Using the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. Once we identify the unsolved problems that are setting in motion kicking, pinching, spitting, and hitting at school, then we have to decide what our priorities are. Then we're going to start solving those problems using collaborative problem solving proactively. Once again, proactively, because any unsolved problem we've decided we're working on is by definition predictable, and the worst possible timing on trying to solve a problem is in the heat of the moment, where there's added heat and added rush. There are some kids who I work with who their kicking, hitting, pinching, and spitting is so pervasive, so cutting across so many situations during so much of the day that it becomes clear to me that I need to make a medication referral just to, as you say, take the edge off. I sometimes uh, say it in a different way, um, give the kid a longer fuse give the kid an emotional muffler, make it possible for us to actually do plan B on the unsolved problems we want to be doing plan B with the kid on. Some kids, it's not going to be possible to do plan B unless they are medicated. But I must say, that's the exception these days for me, more than it is the norm. I'm more likely, if it's a kid who I think can participate in plan B, without aid of medication, I'm likely to get rid of a whole boatload of challenging episodes with Plan C. Plan C is the unsolved problems that we're not even working on right now. And if we're not working on it right now, then we've removed it. And if we've removed those unsolved problems, then they aren't going to be setting in motion challenging episodes anymore. We've dramatically reduced challenging episodes not with medicine, but with Plan C. Then there's going to be two or three unsolved problems that we're working on with Plan B. We're going to solve those unsolved problems and in doing so, eliminate the challenging episodes that are associated with those unsolved problems. Once those unsolved problems are solved, we start working on some of the other unsolved problems that we had tabled earlier if in the midst of in the midst of that process 
I'm going to learn much more about the degree to which a child A can participate in this whole process, this plan B, without aid of medication, the degree to which it's my anticipation that through use of plans B and C, we're going to help stabilize the situation and reduce hitting, kicking, pinching, and spitting enough to feel like we don't need medication. Or it's also possible that I might learn that, uh, you know, what I thought some B and a lot of C could stabilize things and that we'd be making good progress, but it's not going as well as I thought it was. And there's a variety of reasons for that that medication might address, then I'm, if I come to that conclusion, I'm making a referral for medicine. What, what might some of those things be? Well, we've already mentioned some of them. If a kid's fuse is just too short, they, they, they need an emotional muffler. I'll, and they, I don't believe that we're going to stabilize things without aid of medication. I'll make the referral. And as you said, sometimes those medications, well, those are uh, a... Um, general class of medications called atypical antipsychotics or mood stabilizers, and yes, those are the ones that are frequently given for kids who are diagnosed with pediatric bipolar disorder. But there's other reasons that a kid may be having difficulty participating in Plan B. They may be so hyperactive and so inattentive that they just can't participate in the discussion. Those kids, I might make a referral for medicine, and those might not be medicines like atypical antipsychotics. Some kids are so cranky, grouchy, grumpy, irritable, sad, morose, blue, de-energized, that sometimes a uh, different type of medication may be what's indicated. I'll, I'll make the referral often if one of those things is coming into play, and if I believe that plans B and C aren't going to get the job done or aren't going to be anywhere nearly as effective unless the child is on medication. So I'm not allergic to referring kids for medication. I will say that I'm very conservative about it, but it's sometimes a very difficult clinical judgment call. And, um, well, there's the answer. I think it begins, as it always does, with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems because what you're describing at school, if, if your description of what's going on at school is spot on, there's a lot of plan A going on at school, and I'm not even sure they know what her unsolved problems are yet. That's where I'd start. So, happy to be helpful. You're welcome to call in, as always. I hope you are a little bit less at a loss than you were, and I think you have a long road ahead. Um, so you may still be doing some crying at night because you're scared for your daughter and you want to help her. Um, in the collaborative problem-solving territories, helping begins with a certain set of lenses, the lenses of lagging skills, and moves on to being very specific about the conditions, I call them unsolved problems, the conditions in which your daughter is exhibiting the behaviors that we wish she wouldn't exhibit, and moves on to helping people be aware of the three plans, A, which is unilateral problem solving, and sets in motion challenging episodes, 
C, where we are removing a meaningful number of unsolved problems, at least for now, to stabilize things and to make everybody more available and accessible to work on the unsolved problems that we're working on. And B, which is where we are solving problems collaboratively and simultaneously, but indirectly teaching your daughter skills that she's lacking. Will she need medication at some point along the way? You'll find out. I thank you for your email, and once again, feel free to call in anytime. That's going to do it for us today on uh, Parenting Behaviorally Challenging Kids, or also known as Parenting Your Challenging Child. I certainly hope you found today's program to be informative. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care.